Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. All right, the book of Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 17. We've been in Ephesians, putting on the full armor of God, and we're going to skip over here to Luke 17, and this will continue with it. You'll see how it fits in a little bit. Are you with me? Three people in the house. Luke chapter 17. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptation to sin. Now, depending on what translation you may have, this gets translated a few different ways. It it could say there will always be opportunity for offense. It could also say that there will always be stumbling blocks in the road. But Sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into the sea. So watch yourselves. Now something important right here happens, and if you're not careful, you can miss it, because at first Jesus starts talking. He's talking to his disciples as they're taking this walk, and he he tells them specifically, it starts like someone else. Uh, someone else could be doing the tempting, but then all of a sudden the language to, changes to millstone around your neck. So it's, it's kind of like, oh, there, there, there's the temptation to sin, but also the temptation of you to become the tempter, to cause the, the, the offense, but then you could also be the offender. So he brings both sides of the road into this conversation as he's talking to the disciples. He continues on. Now, watch yourselves. If another believer sins... Rebuke that person. If another, belie- if another one of these guys that are hanging out with you, if they sin, rebuke that person. And then if there's repentance, forgive. Even if that perfect person wrongs you seven times a day. That's a lot of times. Seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness. You must forgive. Can we skip that portion of scripture? (laughs) Come on, y'all. And to which the disciples correctly respond, show us how to increase our faith. (laughs) It's going to take a whole lot of faith to forgive this brother seven times in a row. And the Lord answered, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this, mustard, this mulberry tree, you may be uprooted and planted to the sea, and it would obey you. And when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come on in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on an apron, and serve me while I eat, and then you can eat later. You can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he's told? Of course not. And in the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Wow. Jesus goes straight up savage in this scripture right here. I mean, this is intense. This is Jesus basically saying, listen, boys, there are no participation trophies. 
Like you've done all this work. You've worked hard in the field all day. Should, you just, should I just be all thank you, thank you, thank you? No, you've simply done your duty. Could you imagine trying to get away with this now in our culture? I mean, we, we just, it was everything. It's kind of like, you know, when they're kids and they brush their teeth when they're two years old, you're like, good job, good buddy. But if they're 27, and you have, good job, good buddy. Like, no. Like, there's this growing into maturity that has to happen. And, and this, is, this is the lesson that he's teaching his disciples as they're taking this walk. Like, no, no, no. They've simply done what they've been asked to do. And now, there's nothing wrong with celebrating. There's nothing wrong with encouraging. Jesus is the absolute king of celebration, the king of encouragement. But he's pointing out like, there's this problem if you're driven by that, if you have to have that need, if everybody has to celebrate everything you've done, if you've simply done your job, but you need to come in and, and everybody has to, like, and he's like, no, no, your job isn't done yet. I know you've worked hard in the field all day, but there's still more to do. There's still a meal for you to cook. There's still things that happen, have to happen. You could eat later, but I want to eat now. I'm hungry now. It's been a long week. It's been a long day at work. I've been doing all of these things. I came, I just want to eat now. Come on. Have you had some of those days you've walked into the house and you're just like, I just want some peace and quiet and the kids are acting a fool. And mom has this look on her face like, you're gonna take care of these kids right now because I'm gonna kill them if you don't. <laughs> and you realize I'm gonna eat later. <laughs> Because my job ain't done yet. I still got some work to do. And there's this opportunity. There's this offense that could happen. There's these stumbling blocks. There's this temptation that could happen to think that, no, no, that you are done. No, you're not done. And I think part of this is Jesus teaching the disciples, listen, he opens up and says, as you go through this life, it's impossible that, that, that there's not going to be roadblocks along the way. It's impossible. There's not going to be opportunities for offense. There's impossible. There's not going to be opportunities for, for the temptations of this world and for sin, all these things to try, to try to hit you as you're journeying with me. And the reality is you're going to take a hit. You're going to get hit. Uh, any any boxer, boxing fans in the house? Okay, nobody I love boxing. I think boxing's amazing. Um, a great sport. But here, here's one thing. If, if you're going to be a professional boxer, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how many skills. It doesn't matter how long you practice. You're going to get punched in the face. And it's just like being a Christian. It doesn't, I don't care how mature you are, how old you are. Like There's going to be every opportunity for offense to come. There's going, to be, there's going to be temptations in your life. There's going to be roadblocks on this journey. It's going to be easy for you to walk this journey and for you to trip. Pothole, pothole, pothole. And, and part of the job that Jesus is doing with his disciples here is training them to learn how to take a hit. Because it's going to happen, Peter. It's going to happen, John. He's talking about your brothers and sisters that are going to be doing the offense your brothers and sisters, this is going to happen, so I need to train you on how to take a hit. Mike Tyson famously said this, everyone has a plan until they get hit. <laughs> and it's just such a good quote, because isn't it true of all of life? You've got a plan, but your plan oftentimes doesn't involve taking a hit. 
Your plan involves everything going smooth. You didn't plan for a flat tire this morning. You didn't plan for some of the things that have, you didn't plan for that bad doctor's report. No one sits down and is like, hey, I got this 20-year plan, and it involves all this really bad stuff. Nobody, right? Because since we don't plan for the hit, and Jesus is like, listen, as you walk this journey, and as you're following me, it's impossible. These things are going to happen. The enemy is going to try to get you, to steal, to kill, destroy. There's stumbling blocks along the way. A few weeks ago, I was in um, D.C., and I had the opportunity. I was getting to hang out with Mark Batterson, who's the author of The Circle Maker and a bunch of other really good books. And he, told, he was telling me this story, uh, a whole group of us telling the story. It was actually a story that he wrote in the book Wild Goose Chase, which is a, a great book if you get the chance to read it. Um, he tells the story he was training for his first triathlon. And in the triathlon, yeah, you know, run and bike and swim. And so he was training and training and getting ready. And he kind of was getting everything down, you know, felt like, man, I'm pretty strong. I could do this. But he was doing all of his training at the YMCA in the pool. And so he's, he's got it down. He's got, he got his mile down. And the day came for the triathlon. And when you do the triathlon, you have to swim in the ocean. And he said it was a completely different ball game. He said he, he swam that mile in the ocean, and he got out, and he looked like a drowned dog. He said, it about kicked my butt because it wasn't nothing like training in the pool. And when he told me that story, all I could think of is this, this instance where Jesus is training his disciples, and I think about what we do here on Sunday mornings. And guys, let me be very clear, this is the pool. It doesn't get easier than this. Monday morning, you go and you swim in the ocean. Monday morning, like, there's a few roadblocks to getting here. There's a few roadblocks. Somebody didn't check you in right. The donuts were gone, whatever. But like the real challenge comes Monday morning. The real challenge comes when get, sometimes five minutes when we leave this place. And if we're not careful, we have to be prepared. And Jesus is preparing his disciples. No, no, this is ma Christian maturity. This is growing up. This is putting on the full armor of God. Why do you have to armor up? Because you're going to need that armor. Because offenses will come. Temptations will come. And I, and I realize I'm looking at this and I said, there's times where you know, the, the, or times where you don't know and the fight just shows up. I didn't plan for this thing. It just happened. And then there's times where you know you're getting ready to go into the fight. It's when your wife tells you you're getting ready to go to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Come on. And I could prepare for this fight. I could get ready. I could go and I could find the chair that I'm going to sit in for the next three hours. <laughs> and she's going to say something like, hey, could you, could you go and get me this? And I'm going to be like, I don't know where that's at. It's in the arts and crafts section. This whole store is the arts and crafts section. <laughs> I don't know where any, like, have you ever, there's actually no signs in the entire store because no one knows how to label all that junk. It's just like random junk everywhere. And I know Hobby Lobby's a Christian organization, but still, it's the valley of the shadow of death. And I know I'm going in there, it's going to take all the patience within me, and I'm geared up, I'm armored up, I'm ready, I'm going to take some punches. And the aisles are really tall, so I can't find my wife anywhere. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Three hours, Hobby Lobby. And Jesus has said, prepare. 
There's going to be stumbling blocks along the way. There's going to be hobby lobbies in your life. There's going to be doctor's reports that you don't want to hear. There's going to be a next door neighbor that you didn't wish lived next to you. There's going to be times on Highway 17. There's going to be moments where your pastor says something that, oh, I don't like that. There's going to be moments where all of these things converge together. And he's like, you've got to learn. You've got to plan to take the hits. Now, here's a little bit of background of this because he's preparing. He's growing up his disciples. Now, in this instance, they're walking from Samaria to Jerusalem. So they're heading back. They've done some ministry. They've been in, in Samaria, and now they're walking back to Jerusalem. And at this point, they're actually getting close to the border uh, of, of Samaria and Galilee. And this is the story. This is the lesson that Jesus is teaching them as they are approaching the border. And I just thought, as I, I thought, man, this is a lot of things happen at the borders of life. A lot of things, transitions happen at the borders. Lines are drawn at the borders. Fights are fought at the borders. We see what's happening with Israel right now. Borders are important. Losses are often heavy at the borders. And Jesus is telling this group of men who's been walking beside them shoulder to shoulder all of these things. And I think there's a little bit of it because first it was It was teaching them how to go from Jerusalem into Samaria, but now it's teaching them how to go from Samaria into Jerusalem. And I think it's a little bit like we're teaching you how to go from uh, Sunday morning service into the world, and from into the world back into Sunday morning service, and from the training pond and the training pool and the YMCA out into the big ocean, and back and forth. And Jesus does this seamlessly. Like, this is part of the Christian journey, learning how to cross these borders without letting them affect your soul. Because for them, for the disciples, it was a big deal. No, no, the Jews don't go to Samaria. But that's exactly where Jesus is taking you, to Samaria, some area. There's some area in your life that Jesus wants to touch, and he wants to bring your attention to, and he wants to bring you from there back to Jerusalem, where we could worship in the house of the Lord together. And to be able to to flow from those places seamlessly are important. To not get stuck at the border. Because Jesus says, listen, there's stumbling blocks all around, but just keep on moving. Now he does this by illustrating this point with a story. Two different stories. And and this this hypothetical he begins with is this, if a believer, in other words, like not some other person, but a believer, a fellow Christian, brother, sister in the Lord, if they sin, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive. To which at this point, we're like, okay. That's, understand, that's Jesus's message. And then Jesus takes it to the next level, even if he does it seven times a day. And to which at this point, it's like, whoa, hold on, whoa, I'm not sure. And I don't think I could do this. Now, I love how Jesus is addressing a couple different things here because he's addressing a sin issue that has been done against you, an opportunity for this offense to come in. And the first thing he says is, look, no, no, there is rebuke. There is rebuke for this thing. For, forgiveness does not cease to acknowledge that a wrong has been done. That's important. Forgiveness does not cease to acknowledge that a wrong has been done. 
So it's not like just, oh, I forgive you. No, no, it's not that it's just, oh, everything's okay. No, a wrong has been done, and there is a rebuke that needs to, be hap- that needs to happen in this place. There are consequences for those things. Now, now, I know you're sorry, but if you just killed somebody, you're going to jail, right? I, I, I know you're sorry. I know you did, wish it didn't happen, but you did this thing, and now there are consequences for these actions. I, I know you might be in the room today, and you might be struggling with alcohol. You might be struggling with drug addiction. You might be struggling with pornography. You might have a problem where it just feels like it's over and over, lying and stealing. There are consequences for doing these things. Jesus doesn't cease to acknowledge these things. No, 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 rebuke them. However, those consequences, while there may be many, one of those consequences will never be this, and that's unforgiveness. In other words, if you do it seven times a day, forgiveness will always be there. No matter how many times you put the needle in your arm, forgiveness will still be there. No matter how many times you've fallen short, forgiveness is there. See, the lesson that Jesus is focused on isn't so much the sin, but how the disciples are responding to it and our response to it. And, and we have to understand this, like, no matter what you've done, Forgiveness is always available. Unforgiveness is not an option. There might, there might be consequences, but the consequence will never be unforgiveness. Like, no, no, forgiveness is always there. And that's the, I mean, that's the lesson I want to teach my kids as a father. Like, kids, you can mess up. You could do some things. And there's going to be consequences for your actions. Girl, I might have to spank your butt seven times today. But no matter how many times you mess up, you need to know that daddy's always going to forgive you. He's always going to love you. Unforgiveness is not an option in the Christian journey. It's not an option. And he said, again, this word, this translation, this this roadblock, this offense. And and, and let let me tell you this. Offense is one of the deadliest weapons in the enemy's quiver. It is, the, it is one of the absolute most deadliest weapons. And the reason why it's so deadly is because we have this inherent thing within us that wants to protect ourselves. And because we have this thing that wants to protect ourselves, every time we get hurt, we say to ourselves, all right, I've got to figure out how not to let that happen again. And so we begin to build walls we begin to build fences. We begin to build these things that, that I, I'm not going to let this happen to me. I'm not going to get hurt again. And, and so as we build these walls, brick upon brick, what happens is it affects our vision. Because we build the bricks so long and for so, so much that we can't even see past the offense. We can't see past our hurt. And so we take the pain of a past relationship and we bring it into the present relationship. We take the pain of a past hurt and we bring it to the present hurt. And we've been, we've been disappointed by our friends and we've been disappointed by the church and we've been disappointed by our neighbors and we've been disappointed by our exes and we've been disappointed. All, and so we bring them all into the next scene and we're just waiting and we're just building walls of offense all to protect ourselves. And we no longer can see the world as kind of protective instinct within us. So much so that all of our relationships are strictly digital. I could keep people so far away that I could write you an email, but we're never going to have a cheeseburger. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. 
but we delude ourselves. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. No, no, walls of offense over it. These are trip hazards. These are potholes. It's just like, be careful. Be careful of them. My buddy, uh, Matt, I don't know if he's here somewhere today or maybe he'll come to second service. Him and Morgan, uh, they had this extra car, and Billy and Nicole, uh, their car messed up, and to which Matt and Morgan generously like, no, no, we have this extra car. Why don't you just borrow our car for a while while you get yours fixed? Cool. So Nicole is driving one day, and I think she's driving maybe to get, give Billy some lunch or something. She's driving along the road when all of a sudden baby deer comes running out. Pow! She hits this deer, and chunks of car fall all over the the, the pavement, and there's, you know, there's bumpers, and there's plastic, and all this, and so she, she goes, and she picks up the bumper, and throws it in the trunk, and throws all this, and there's like pieces of, of deer fur all stuck into the car, and then she knows, I've got to make a phone call. I've got to tell Matt, and I've got to tell Morgan what happened, and, and, and she, they, they called, and it's, hey, this is what happened. Man, you, were letting, you were doing this favor for us. You were letting us borrow the car, and this deer came out, and we hit the deer, and there's dam- damage to the bumper. There's damage to the lights. And you know what Matt Morgan said? It's okay. It wasn't your fault. It happens. Are you guys okay? It's all good. You know what they didn't do? They didn't drive around for the next six months with a bumper in the back of their trunk as a reminder, don't let anyone borrow the car again. They didn't drive around with pieces of their brokenness to keep them from their future. How often is that what we do? We've been hurt, we've been offended, We've had a wrong done to us. But instead of just leaving it, instead of getting it fixed, no, 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 we, we haul it around until it affects the next relationship, until it affects the next church, until it affects the next job, until it affects the next marriage. Come on, somebody. And Jesus is saying, be careful, be careful, because it's impossible to go through this life. It's impossible to cross through these borders back and forth without there being roadblocks, without there being stumbling blocks, without there being temptation for you to hold on to it. This temptation is real. And the disciples hear this, and they, they hear, and they understand very instantly, like, like no, we have a d- deficit in this area because we want to hold on to these things. Jews and Gentiles coming together, like the Pharisees are going to get to be part of this too. No, we don't even, do you know what they've done to us? The Romans, you know how they beat us? Like you're entering them into the family. There's no, even our brothers and sisters, you're saying we've got to forgive them about everything they've done for us? And to which their response is, come on, let's be honest, this would be our response, increase our faith. Because I can't do that. You want me to love on this Roman who's whipping my back? And and the best friend who's stabbed me in the back? Like all of this happened even seven times a day. Increase our faith. I don't think I could do it, and I just love it. I love the honesty it's one thing even just loving your enemies and forgiving, but even like forgiving your loved ones. Come on, isn't it sometimes like when it comes to offense, it's hard even to forgive the ones that we love the most. That's how I decided if I should tell the story. 
we have this thing at our house. Neither one, me nor Devin, love to clean the shower. It's just a pain in the butt. No one likes, I mean, we'll clean, we'll clean toilets, but the shower, because we, we were stupid. We bought these, these tiles on our floor that are the penny tiles because they look really cool. But man, there's a lot of grout. And we were like, oh, who's got to scrub this month? And if we're not careful, like, so we take turns. Like, you scrub, now I scrub. And then, wait, hold on. I've done this two months in a row. Girl, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I've always scrubbed this thing. You never scrubbed this thing. So I'm all offended. I'm like, come on. Yeah. I'm out mowing the grass. I mow the grass all the time. You've never mowed the grass. Opportunity for offense. Opportunity for offense to my loved one, to our spouse. Come on, sometimes we be careful. Be careful of this offense because remember the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach them. It's what's happening in you at this moment. Where's my heart in this moment? towards my spouse, towards my neighbor, towards my friend. And the temptation, the stumbling block, is to let it take root. To let it take root. Because we could justify our offense. Because after all, I am the one who's cleaned it the last three times. I have done this. The enemy's gonna throw some punches. And our response, often like these disciples, give me some more faith. And I don't like the response Jesus gives. Jesus says, you think that's what you need. Let me actually tell you what you need. Uh, you don't need more faith. As a matter of fact, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry bush, be rooted up and cast into the ocean. What is he saying here? He's saying, listen, you don't need more faith. You just need to use the faith that you already have. You just need to use the faith that you already have. You need to plant that seed and you need to let it grow. And as that seed grows, you know what's amazing about that seed? That seed produces more seeds, which produces more seeds, which produces a big tree, which produces a tree that's so big that the birds can lay its nest and its branches. That's what this Christian journey is like. Sometimes we just want more. No, God, I just I need you to supernaturally give me some more faith. No, you need to use what you already got. No, 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 Jesus, just, just give me more. Sometimes, isn't it, isn't it like us, you know, I, I think sometimes church, if we're not careful, we become a bunch of Christian crackheads, right? Come on, come on, pastor, just give me something new. Give me something I ain't never heard before. I need something new. I, got you, I, need, I need a fix. No, you just need to use the faith you already have. You just need to believe the thing you say you believe. I mean, my whole Christian journey is just trying to believe what I already say I believe. I mean, I say that I believe that I serve a man who died on a cross and rose the third day. Now, if I believe that and I serve that type of God, man, if I serve a God who was born of a virgin, if I serve a God who could speak a word and cause formlessness and void to be turned into the beauty that we have all around us, Man, I'm just trying to live into that. But sometimes, if I'm not careful, I need something new. God, I need some new revelation. I need you to do something, all this, and new. And we're just chasing the new. We're chasing church to church, revival to revival, book to book, podcast to podcast. Like, now God's just saying, listen, you just need to use the faith that you already have. You just got to believe the things and act on those things to which you already say you believe. You don't need more faith. I'll give you that, but it means you planting that seed and seeing what comes from it. 
Because if we're not careful, because our, our, our desire for what's new, and it's kind of like, man, it's, it's, it's a scrolling effect. It's like, ooh, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine, new, 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 new. A bunch, bunch, bunch of Christians just trying to, trying to get the new, and God's like, that's not what you need. See, I think sometimes the reason why we, man, we, we, we want this revival, but here's what God's saying, I can't revive what hasn't died first. Unless a grain, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. You want the revival, God will die. Be careful, all of these things, the fullness, the implications of believing that this life that we live affects all of eternity. Just that thought alone, that this drop in the bucket, this, as the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, this breath of wind that's just here today and gone tomorrow, this vapor affects all of eternity. Plant the seed you have. It's a mustard seed. Watch what I could do. I could take this plant and I could cast it off into this ocean and watch what comes from it. And then Jesus goes even further with story, and he, with, with the illustration. So he tells this story, and on the surface, it looks a little bit disconnected because there's a servant. He's been out in the field, and he's been working, and he comes home, and the master's like, no, you know, cook me something to eat. But he's already hungry, but like, no. He, and what does the master say? He says this, you're not finished yet. So yeah, yeah, you dodged a few bullets. You dodged a few offenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your work's not done. I know you're tired. I know it's been a long journey. I know you've been wrong time after time after time, but your work's not done. Your work's not done. It's not enough to just go out and work the field and plow the field and do all these things. You have to bring it into fruition because the end game for all of this work is that you're gonna put a meal in front of the master and he's gonna eat this dinner and you have to eat later. You have to eat later. And I think this is the outworking of this mustard seed faith. It's not just about your field. It's understanding that as I work this field, as the Christian journey goes on further, your heart should not be coming hard, becoming more hard. Your heart should be becoming more soft because I'm not allowing roots of offense to take place. The longer I walk with Jesus, the softer our hearts should get. The longer I walk with Jesus, I realize, listen, I could actually go faster by going slower. The longer I walk with Jesus, I come to the realization that I could actually do more with less. And if I would just plant this mustard seed. And guys, this is what retirement looks like. I know you had this picture in your mind that I've worked all of these years and then like, no, no, no. There's still some dinners to cook. There's still some work to be done. That's why some of y'all are better grandparents than you were parents. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. Because your heart has gotten more softer. Because you've learned more patience. Because you're demonstrating more fruit of the Spirit. Because God's been working and you haven't allowed bitterness and offense to take, take place. But it's not over yet. There's still a job for you to do. And then I, I just, just caught my attention this week. You get to eat later. You get to eat later. And when I read this, 
all I could think about was the story where Jesus was looking and there was the disciples around him and there was people and he's saying, look, look at these Pharisees, look at these Sadducees, look at how they stand on the corner and look how they fast where everyone can see their good works and look how they pray where everyone, and he says this, they already have their rewards. They don't get to eat later. They already have their rewards. And I'm thinking of this scenario and I'm thinking about how this applies to life. And the fact is you have to, you have to set a stake in the sand and come to the realization in your soul that the best meal gets ate last. That he is preparing a banquet for us. And your best days are not right now. Your best days are yet to come with him where he sits down. Man, he's preparing this meal for us and we get, and we get, we get to eat later. We get to eat later. Yet we're doing some work right now. And he's doing all this, man. And, and there's stumbling blocks along the, the way. There's temptation along the way. All of these things. It's, a, it's, it's, it's impossible to go through this Christian journey and not take a few punches in the face. It's going to happen. But how you react to them matters. Because this is the YMCA. This is the easiest as it gets, guys. And it gets harder from here. And you're going, to get, you're going to take some hit. Every opportunity to get offended, I guarantee you, it'll happen. And some of us, I mean, we just got to get some of that Rocky mentality. Come on, have you, every Rocky movie ever made, my man just gets punched in the face more times. And he, but you know what? He keeps getting back up. And you've just got to set a line in the sand that says, you know what? All of these things that happen to me, Unforgiveness is not an option. I don't care how beat up I look. I don't care how bloody I look. I don't care how many wrongs have been done to me. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. Offense is a poison. And the second you drink it, it starts killing you on the inside. I'm asking everyone to stand to their feet, just real soberly if we could. Because I want to take a minute. I want to take some space and I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if there's any root of offense in your heart. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to put the picture of someone in, inside of your mind that you haven't forgiven them and you need to. You've You've shown bitterness towards them. You've shown anger. Hey, here's the thing, you could be right. They could have wronged you deeply. But Jesus tells us, <laughs> unforgiveness, it's not an option. Let him deal with them. He does a way better job than you ever could. He does a way better job than I ever could. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that the spirit of repentance would fall on this church. Lord, that we would not be your disciples who have chosen to follow you that would carry around offense with us any longer. We choose you, Jesus. We choose the path of love. We choose to cross over border to border 
We choose to go up to Jerusalem and we leave this place and we go back into some area. But we do it free. Free of offerings, free of sin, free of guilt, free of condemnation, free of having to have it our own way, free of thinking that we know best, free of, free of all of the excuses that we've piled up for so many years that tell us we deserve this. So Lord, we break down those walls this morning and say, Holy Spirit, come in. We repent. We receive your rebuke. Because God, we know that your correction is because you love us. You love us. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that you just lay it all down at the cross and say, God, I'm yours. If that's you and you're in the room, I'm asking you to put your hand real high in the air where I can see it. I just want to lead in a simple prayer of salvation. Is there anybody in the room? Real high, hold it up. I don't want to miss anybody. Okay. Lord, I want to believe that everyone knows you, but if there's someone in here, someone online that doesn't, just pray that you continue to draw them to yourself. Continue to break down those walls. Continue to just love on us, God, when we're the most unlovable. Church, let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.